Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. We began, we begin, at last, the final chapter of Horror on the Orient Express. It's actually been half a year since we played this campaign, and so we're all eager to bring this campaign to a close. Uh, once again, I will be the Game Master, and this is episode 87. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Many years have passed since the events of 1923 and the long, terrifying journey that our heroes took across Europe. Their legacy to the world went without fanfare or recognition by the general public, but their efforts, both during and after those events, kept the darkness at bay just a little longer. The Orient Express herself went through a number of incarnations along the way, following different routes, owned by various companies. But due to the modern age of fast travel, fast airplanes, and automobiles, she slowly went into decline, and the elegance of her golden age faded into the background. That is, until now. A new internet company, LuxVista.com, in an effort to launch their opening on a grand scale, recently held an essay contest uh, with the 12 winners of which, the 12 winners of which would win an all expense paid vacation aboard the completely refurbished Lux Vista Orient Express. This trip was valued at over $17,000 and was what many considered the trip of a lifetime. The company, of course, was mostly interested in the publicity that this would provide, and they weren't disappointed. The period architecture of the Paris-Guerre de l'Est station was the perfect venue to launch their company, and the press showed up in droves. The owner of the company, billionaire John Milton, gave a warm and enthusiastic speech extolling the beauty and the luxury of the train, as well as the intentions of his new company, to provide luxury at affordable prices. And as the Lux Vista website was officially launched, you, the lucky winners, were invited to board the most luxurious and elegant land-based travel accommodations on the face of the earth. As you entered the train, you were directed to your left. Except for small carry-on luggage, your things had either been stored in the rear foregone or placed in your cabin prior to boarding. So as you go on, you there is a uh, uh, the the uniform of the, uh, the people on board are all blue with gold trim. Uh, you're directed to your left. Uh, you go through uh, at first. You go through a restaurant, which is um, Atil du Nord, which is uh, the North Star restaurant. And at the end of that, you reach, uh, you reach the connection between that and the sleeper cars. Um, there is a man standing there. He, uh, he uh, introduces himself. Uh, Madame le Monsieur, uh, I am René uh, Violette. I am the steward of your sleeping cars, and I am here to direct you to uh, where you will be sleeping. <clears throat> uh, now let's see who is in first in line here, and uh, the first person in line are two women. Uh, they they uh, 
the, uh, the first woman is dressed in uh, sort of an Asian, a flowing, voluminous sort of Asian gown. And uh, the woman next to her is dressed in a tuxedo. And uh, the first woman says that her name is uh, Marissa Orcana. Uh, anybody with sort of an artistic background do an, uh, uh, an idea role. Got like an artsy, maybe entertainment. That that would work too. Um, I've got a hot pass. Okay. Uh, you recognize the name. She's an artist, a very uh, uh, well-known artist. Uh, and you're guessing the other woman is Wanda Ziegler. They're probably a couple. Okay. Um, let's see. One of you. Uh, he tells uh, he tells them, I'm sorry, that they're in uh, car G, uh, rooms three and four, cabins three and four. Uh, so let's see, uh, Zane, you come up. Cool. Uh, Monsieur, uh, your name? Uh, Riley Duquesne. Uh, Monsieur Duquesne, uh, you are in uh, uh, the car F, and uh, you are in room eight. Thank you very kindly. Uh, uh, and you, Monsieur? Uh, just whoever wants to go. <laughs> uh, monsieur uh, uh, Morgan. How, my name is George Tucker. Uh, monsieur Tucker, you end uh, F4. Thank you. Uh, monsieur, uh, Madame. Your name? You're also muted. Karen de Graffin. Karen de Graffin. Madame Graffin, you are in F9. Bon. Uh, and you, Monsieur uh, Jeff? Uh, how are you, sir? My name is John Highfield. Ah, uh, Monsieur Highfield, you are in F6. And you, Monsieur. Um, uh, my, my, my name is uh, Gary Rutherford. Ah, uh, Monsieur Rutherford, you are in F3. F3. Thanks, buddy. Uh, this is the layout of the current train. You have the engine, the tender. You have two foregones. You have uh, the first restaurant, which is La Savo d'Asie, which is the taste of Asia. Uh, you've got three sleeper cars. Then you've got uh, La Cote, which is uh, the coast, a seafood restaurant. You have three more sleeping cars. And then you have uh, Etoile de Nord, the uh, uh, North Star. And then you have sleeper car F and G. And then you have the rear luggage fork on. So you guys are all staying in F. And uh, you, there are quite a few other passengers. And this is more or less the layout of how you guys will be staying. Um, the green ones are you guys. The uh, lighter blue, I wish that I'd use two different colors, but the lighter blue people are, people are other winners, and the dark blue people are not, not part of your thing. All right, so uh, when you arrive at your rooms, most of your luggage is already there. Um, 
anything large you took with you, any, uh, any stuff that you wanted to keep more or less in storage for when you have your stops, uh, that's, that's in the foregone and it's in the back foregone. Uh, uh, um, the steward, Monsieur Violette, uh, he explains to you that this evening you will all be dining uh, at Etoile du Nord and uh, you'll be, it, it's the reception dinner for your contest. So you guys will have that restaurant all to yourselves. They're sort of rearranging it a little bit. So what would you guys like to do? Um, I'm, I'm going to start by checking all my luggage because um, I bought it quite cheaply on eBay and it, it, it looks quite good, but um, it's it's not particularly resilient. Um, I call my my mum back home because I know she's she's worried about me she, and stuff, so I just call her Lynn. I'm here safe and I'm on the train um, and looking forward to it. Okay. Um, I should also mention that... Uh, if you had if we if you had gone in the other direction, there is a salon car. I don't think I pointed it out on the map, but uh, so you have you have at the very end of the train you have the luggage, then you have two sleeper cars, then you have the restaurant, then you have a salon car. And the salon car in the old days used to be the uh, the smoking lounge, but there's no smoking allowed on board the, the train any longer. Well, uh, Karen is very much interested in the whole ambience of the thing. So she's actually probably going to make her way to the salon car. Uh, she will pause briefly to smile nicely at the two ladies that they have already at least seen. Uh, Marissa and what was that name again? Uh, Wanda. Wanda and... Wanda Ziegler. Yeah, and the other lady... Uh, Marissa O'Connor. Marissa. Yeah. Marissa O'Connor is the artist. Okay. And what they will see is a fairly petite woman, mid-twenties, very dark hair. Her skin tone is very suggestive of perhaps a Romany or Basque or Portuguese kind of background. She's got lovely dark black Spanish eyes. Uh, she's very trimly built. Uh, she moves with a great deal of grace and ease she gives the two ladies a nice smile uh she's wearing a very well cut dress that goes down in in a dark dark burgundy goes down just below the knee uh she's wearing uh Ferenni heels and uh on her hair is done very much in a 1930s style with a soft wave at the front, uh, a light chignon at the back. Uh, she's wearing a sort of like a side cap with a net kind of halo around it. And hmm? It's called a fascinator. Fascinator. That was the word I was looking for. I did, I did see that and I couldn't remember. It. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm just going to wander down just with my uh, bag, which is a very nice leather bag, uh, down to the, uh, what is it, Peter's or something, I believe was the name of the Peter's is the name of the salon, yeah. Peter's. And uh, I'm actually just going to sit there quietly and people watch. Okay. 
Yeah, there's quite a few people, but for a while, of course, everybody's just getting used to putting their stuff away and and, and all of that. Uh, there are drinks served in the bar, uh, the salon's a bar as well. Uh, there's a piano, but nobody's playing it at the moment. Everybody's trying to get, there's a lot of hustle and bustle going on, people running around. I, I, nope. think, I think I'll go to the, the salon. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I, I'll just wear my normal shoes. I mean, I've, I've bought some spats, but I'm going to build up to that. All right, of course. Wearing any, I mean. Well, and you see people are dressed in kind of nice clothes. It's yeah, regular, except for dinner. It's a, suit, you know, that I, was, I was quite pleased with it. Okay. So, um, are are you all going to drift towards the salon car? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. What, so, what, you time, hang... what time? What time of day is it that we're actually going to? You 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 left it almost at just just slightly before four o'clock is when you all boarded the train. Okay. Uh, so the train leaves at. Uh, the train leaves at uh, like 5.30. So you've got plenty of time to get ready and, and put all of your stuff together. And then there is a reception at, uh, everything is written in the European time, 1900 hours. That's uh, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, 7 p.m. Right. Um, all right, so you arrive in the... Uh, in the salon car and there are a few other people in there of various nationalities you can see um there is a a, a rather strikingly good-looking gentleman uh over to one side uh he looks uh like uh he's perhaps italian around 26 years old um He's, he's sitting quietly by himself, uh, looking out the window, sipping a drink that he ordered. Um, he's very nicely dressed. Uh, there is a woman and her, looks like her husband maybe. Uh, they're sitting together, uh, sort of chatting. Uh, he's a very distinguished looking gentleman. Uh, she's very beautiful. Uh, she looks like she could be a, a, a model, perhaps. She's ra rail thin, um, very elegant looking, kind of tall and slim. And uh, he's uh, he's quite a bit older. He looks like he's maybe in his 50s. She looks like she's in her 20s. But it looks like it's one of those kind of you know things. Um, and there's various other people sitting around. Uh, and you guys are all ne not necessarily sitting next to each other. Um, do do we know that um, the 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 others are also winners? Yes. Of this thing, so we we kind of know who they are. I, I kind of know who these four are. You might have heard their name or seen their name on the list, or you know something like. We've never actually met. You've never met any of them. Uh, you don't know any of them. Unless you go to Broadway a lot. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Are we the only ones dressed in 1920s garb? Uh, 
not everyone in the room is, but everyone is well dressed. So right. I mean, for for the contest, the winners look they, like they're the only ones dressed in the 1920s. Okay, so that's one way that we can probably tell from looking at the crowd that oh yeah, that person was right. Okay, it's almost overly elegant the 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 style of clothing that you're wearing. Um, um, I was actually requested by by the the company to wear my costume from my Broadway production of. Uh, uh, the murder on the Orange Express. I'm actually dressed completely as my character, which was, <laughs> uh, um, which was McQueen, who was the assistant to Ratchet. Ah. Um, yeah. So, so I go. I go up to the bar and I order order uh, dark and stormy, and just sort of sit, lean against the bar. Yes, Monsieur. Of course. Now, as you do that, a young guy comes up to you. Uh, looks like he's maybe uh, 24 years old. Uh, he comes up to you and he's like, excuse me, but, uh, you know, you, uh, I, I, I certainly, I like the way you dress, but you know, you look vaguely familiar to me. Are you in the movies? Uh, not yet, but I, I've just finished up a very successful run on Broadway. Ah, uh, so you are in show business. Right. Uh, yes, sir. This is my name is, my name is Oscar Griffin. Oscar Griffin. Pleased to meet you. Uh, Riley Duquesne. Says you're, you're obviously one of the, the 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 contest winners. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, me too. Says my uh, God, I love I love I love this sort of stuff. But mostly, I like movies. You know, I like uh, well, I guess you know, I like I like period pieces. Uh, uh, I like the the Orient Express stuff, and I like mysteries, mm -hmm. and I really like sci-fi. You know, like Star Wars, and you know, those recent yeah. uh, Star Trek movies have been pretty good. And he starts jabbering on about. Star Trek and Star Wars and uh, uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And uh, you find after a couple of seconds that it's difficult to get a word in edgewise. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just very uh, like politely just sort of like smiling and nodding and, and sipping my, uh, my, my drink and mm -hmm. um, sort of just almost trying to catch someone else's eye to kind of come and save me a bit. Yeah, nobody's going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be nice. Karen sees what's going on there. And so she quite elegantly sashays up to the bar next to Riley. And she says, in that sort of, very sort of Lauren Bacall kind of throaty groan, buy a girl a drink? Um, and, and Riley sort of uh, obviously noticing, um, of course, ma'am, and uh, turns around. Uh, what, what are you drinking? Well, she'll she'll take. Uh, well, she'll ask for a perno and water. She's looking for an absinthe. Cool. So he uh, he, he nods to the to the bartender, and of course, and then delicately put out my hand, Karen de Graffin. Riley Duquesne. Pleased to meet uh, and, you. And this is um, Oscar. And he sort of uh, gestures that he's forgotten Oscar's last name. Uh, Oscar Griffin, sir. Oscar is man. Bob, there, please. You. Mr. Riley, I think I've heard of you and seen you on Broadway. Uh, it's very possible. I've just finished a, a run uh, on Broadway in the Murder of the Orange Express. Ah. Then oh, my yeah. God. You were in, that, you were in that, uh, that play then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I played McQueen. 
I really like that movie. Mm, it's a good film. Now, the I stage like some, version's better. <laughs> I, I like, well, I like some of the, the, the I like that one with uh, that fella on, uh, on the PBS channels. Uh, what's his last name? Sachet? Uh, uh, Suchet. Suchet. That's him. That guy. He is really good. That, that other guy, that uh, Jeremy fellow, he was really good as, as uh, Sherlock Holmes. And mm. he starts in again. And now, once again, now, sir, you, really you seem to be talking a good deal. Well, uh, hello. Um, I, I don't believe we've met. Um, the name is George Tucker. Ah, oh, Mr. Tucker. Well, my name is Mr. Jo Oscar Griffin. Well, Mr. Oscar, you, you said that you're a fellow winner of, of this essay contest. Oh, yes, sir, I am. Uh, this guy's uh, got boyish good looks, blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, what did you write your, your essay about there, son? Oh, my essay. Well, he just immediately starts. He says, you know, I, I actually brought a copy of it if you'd like me to read it to you. And uh, <laughs> no, that, that, that will not be necessary. He says, well, yeah, he said, you know, back in the, uh, I don't know, somewhere else in the South, uh, it's, uh, South Carolina. Uh, where oh, you're Carolina. Yeah, he says, I, I, I'm, I, 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 Says I can't believe I'm going on this trip. Says all I am really uh, in real life is a, a store assistant, you know, uh, just a regular old everyday store assistant. Uh, but the guy seems really nice, you know. He says we don't have a lot of people where I live. We're, we're kind of out in the in the boonies. But, oh, well, I, I come from Atlanta, Georgia, so it's oh, nice so to see another one of Southern blood here with us. Yeah, indeed. While this is co while this conversation is engaging between Oscar and his new friend, I've given uh, Riley a light nudge and a sort of head nod over to where I was sitting before, where there might be a couple of empty chairs. Okay. Um, about that time, uh, a very large, corpulent round bald man uh comes in you saw him outside you know when you were guys were getting ready he's dressed in a black suit and uh he wasn't really built for trains he's he's a pretty large person it's gonna be tricky just to get around him as he goes but he comes in and, and comes up to the bar and he's like uh, signore, I, I would like, uh, and he rattles off some odd-sounding drink. And, uh, do you have uh, Seville de Banane or, uh, uh, you know, uh, something? Uh, all of the drinks that he mentions are like sickening sweet drinks. And uh, he, uh, he, he seems like he's maybe, in, maybe he's in his 40s. Uh, and he's like... Uh, I cannot wait to taste all of the delicious food that it's supposed to be. I hope that my Italian accent isn't like really offensive or anything. Uh, <laughs> so sorry to all the Italians if it is, but uh, I'm changing my notes because I had written down the town, <laughs> <not> Spanish. <laughs> he's like I uh, thought he was French. <laughs> oh no, he's uh, he's uh, he's I am from Venice. My name is uh, Faustino Gust uh, Gonzago. He's a pleased to meet you. Uh, he seems very... Resisto Stereotypo. <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> the 
my name is George Tucker. Pleased to meet your acquaintance. He says, oh, he says, I, I like your uh, 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 fried chicken. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to start heading over in the, in the shadow of the large man, nervously making my way to, to the, uh, um, the, the group who are gathered by the bar. Okay. A um, couple of other people have wrote it, uh, come in. It looks like a guy who's around in his 20s, uh, maybe a guy a little older. Um, uh, various people. There's one guy, though, over in the corner of the room. <clears throat> he's not dressed. Well, he's dressed kind of in 20s style. But you actually kind of get the feeling that these, these might be somewhat hand-me-downy clothes, not exactly in perfect condition. Maybe he's been dressing like this most of his life. Um, he looks like he's maybe, oh, around 40, maybe a little younger than that. Uh, he sits in the corner and he looks very nervous. You know, not, not nervous like... Uh, he's afraid of something, except that maybe he feels really out of place, you know. Um, so he's just sitting there quietly. Uh, um, is, he, is he nearer to me than, than the bar? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, if, if, I mean, if it's just him and he's looking nervous as well, um, I, I might just sort of wander over. Okay. Um, and just sort of quite hesitantly say, um, um, excuse me. He immediately um, stands up and takes off his hat. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry to bother you, but um, are, you, are you one of the other contest winners? Uh, see, see, yes, I am. Uh, uh, and he puts out his hand to shake yours. He says, my name is Enzo Banuelos. I am from oh. uh, Portugal. Uh, how how do you do, uh, Senor? Um, um, my 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 name is Gary Rutherford. I'm I'm um, well. I'm originally from uh, from, from Washington, but I, I live in New Orleans now. Ah, from the from the United States. I see. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I'm 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 a history teacher. Uh, I am from uh, Jimmy Stewart. <clears throat> ah, from Mr. Jimmy Stewart. I am from Proaza in. Uh, uh, Northern Spain originally, but now I live in Portugal. Oh, it's a, a, a wonderful place, Portugal. I uh, I went there a few years ago on holiday um, to uh, Coimbra. It's a, a beautiful old city. Oh, yes. I am not used to traveling like this. This is quite uh, quite exciting. Yeah, it's um, it's very opulent. He says, "So, what do you what do you do for a living?" Me, um, I, I I teach history. Oh, you are a teacher. That is very yeah, good. Yeah, uh, I'm good. a high school teacher. He says, I, I work for the post office. <laughs> ah, that's a noble profession. Would yes, you mind if I join you here? Oh, please, please. And I shall sit myself down. You find that he is watching you very carefully. And after a few minutes, it's obvious that he's kind of mimicking the way that you do things. Like, 
he doesn't really know how to order a drink or, you know, whether he should put the napkin in his lap or, you know, he, he's, he's very imitative of what you're doing because he, he thinks that he's supposed to. Um, well, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of myself either. Um, so, so noticing this, I, I, I won't mention it. Um, but um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take stock of that and um, I'll try to be accommodating. Okay. Uh, another few minutes go by and a uh, rather short little man, uh, also kind of fat, not, not, not as fat as uh, Gonzaga, but uh, uh, he's got a receding hairline. Uh, he comes in. Now, he is fairly well-dressed. Uh, it's not really a 1920s suit, but it's still a suit, and it's got a bow tie instead of a, a regular tie. It's kind of an off, kind of a steel gray suit, um, and he wears it well. It's obviously tailored for him, and he comes in. He has a big smile on his face, and, uh, and he immediately looks around the room, and you see him go almost immediately uh, up to the, the artist. That's uh, that's sitting over there, and he, you can't. Well, you can roll to see if you can hear what he's saying. Okay. Because there's a din now in the room. People are talking and. Ooh. That's a fail for me. I got hard success. Yeah, I failed. My 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 ears being filled with this talk of this Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah, I just passed. Okay. Well, if you just passed, you sort of hear some of this. And, uh, and Gary, what you hear, you hear him uh, go up and he, he introduces himself. He, he's apparently a, a plastic surgeon, uh, Fabian Weiss, or Wies is how he would pronounce it. He's Swiss. He's almost 60. Uh, but he makes a comment to the artist I mean, he seemed very friendly and very nice. But after a few moments, you, you hear him say something to the extent of, I, I, I couldn't help but notice the scar on your face. Um, you know, there are things that we can do to fix that. And it seems a little uncomfortable, you know. But after a few minutes, he hands her a card and then sort of walks away, walks back, walks back over, and he starts coming to the bar. And uh, for that moment that uh, when he walks away from her, there's, there's a look of concern on his face, but then he immediately brightens up again as he sees the rest of you, and he comes over to join you, and he orders himself a, a drink and... Uh, introduces himself. I'm uh, Fabian Wies. Uh, I am from uh, Sweden. Uh, I'm sorry, Switzerland. And I'm a plastic surgeon. And uh, you notice that once he says that he's a plastic surgeon, he's, he's examining you. It becomes really obvious that he's looking for imperfections. Imperfections. And of course, he's not exactly the most perfect looking person either. But uh, I, I'm sorry. Do I do I have something on my face? 
Oh no, <laughs> I am. I am just looking. I noticed that. Uh, uh, were you in a fight at some point in your in your youth? Perhaps your uh, your nose is just slightly off center. Actually, he puts his hand out like in lines across your nose. Have you ever noticed this looking in the the mirror? Yes, man. My my wife thinks that it, it's pretty cute, so I I think I'm going to keep it. Oh well, yes. If uh, you know, it's, it shows character, yes. But if you ever wanted to have it fixed, and he pulls out a card and he hands it to you, you know, many of my my clients have been have had troubles with with people like with like you. Well, why is that? Now you see, I'm a, I'm a family lawyer, and sometimes couples get into fights over over things of this nature. Oh, well, that's a shame. Everybody should be very careful, you know, when they decide to have plastic surgery. It should be, if one is married, one, one should absolutely have the consent of the other's partner. He said, it's, I, 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 am, I am very successful. I, uh, I have done a great deal of, uh, of uh, uh, working for uh, many wealthy and famous people. Well, that, that, that's good for you there, sir. So let's see who else we have. <laughs> um, you notice, um, oh, everybody do a spot hidden roll. Let's see as you're, you're chit chatting. I won. Oh. Um, ah, 67. Sorry. Bertie, regular. Too busy, too busy chatting with Riley. I'm a little caught up with, with Star Trek and now this plastic surgeon. <laughs> well, let's say that, um, that uh, Riley just happens to be in a position where he's the closest and has the best view. But there was a, a, there was a man and a woman, the woman who looked like a, a supermodel and the man who looked more older and more distinguished. Yep. You can tell that she's upset about something. And he seems kind of dismissive. You know, it's nothing, don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's nonsense. And she kind of turns off, you know. She doesn't get up and leave, but she sort of sits there for a few minutes and she gets quiet and she turns and she's just staring out the window. And you definitely get the impression that it's maybe a, a marital fight or not much of a fight. She doesn't want to make a scene in front of everybody, but something has upset her and she's more upset maybe that he's not paying attention to it. Right. You also, you also get the strong impression, of course, that she's a... a uh, a rather privileged supermodel, and he's uh, an older gentleman, and the sugar she, daddy. Likes, yeah. she likes things her way. Yeah, sure. So, um, to be respectful, I, I don't point this out uh, to Karen or anything. I just sort of, you know, it, I kind of go with the position of it. It's it, it, not to put my nose in it, and not to make it more of a a thing than it needs to be. So I keep it to myself. Okay. Well. Let's move a little bit ahead, unless you guys have some question or, or something you want to ask. 
Um, let's move ahead to dinner. Uh, you guys mingle for a while. You guys get comfortable. The train is extremely luxurious. It's, it's very wonderful. Um, at one point, uh, your sleeping car steward, uh, Rene Violette, uh, he comes in. I should describe him. He's a very good-looking man, uh, extremely well-groomed, of course, because he's a steward on the Orient Express, uh, dressed in impeccable blue. He looks like he's maybe about 26 years old. Uh, he has black hair, black straight hair, well, you know, perfectly combed. Um, he comes in and he explains to you all that in the morning, he will come around to your rooms to bring breakfast and uh, he'll get your dinner reservations depending on where you want to eat you okay. know, in, the, in the restaurant. Uh, but that tonight, uh, you will be, uh, you'll all be dining together in uh, the North Star restaurant. So when the time comes, you all retire to your, your cabins and get yourselves all dressed up. And you come in and uh, there, are, there are name tags. Uh, they've actually uh, moved all of the, uh, the seating so that there's just one long table in the center. And uh, so you're all sitting around that. And I sent you guys a, a PDF a few minutes ago. And... The top of it just has you guys and who's playing who. Uh, the second part of that is uh, your rooms and where the other people's rooms are. Uh, and there's little brackets. The brackets show the rooms that are connected to one another. Okay. There's also a light green line. Uh, all of the rooms above that are double berths. All the ones below that are single berths. Okay. And the single berth rooms are actually still a little smaller than the double room. Okay. And then the bottom is your seating arrangement. Cool. Uh, uh, before the dinner begins, uh, John Milton, who is in fact the, the owner of Lux Vista, uh, he comes in uh, and everybody is seated at the table. So, uh, John, uh, for instance, if you look at it, Jeff's character, uh, uh, Highfield, is sitting next to Lars Farber and, and so forth. So that way you guys can sort of talk to one another and get to know each other and, and so forth. Does that make sense? Well, yep. I, I seem, it seems I'm sitting next to my, my new friend, Mr. Bunuelos. Bunuelos. Yeah. Okay. Well, as as we sit down, um, I'm I'm just going to quietly um, lean to him and say, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm told the trick of it is that you, you you start with the ones on the outside and work your way in. Oh, oh, that is good to know. He yeah, says, "Yes, yeah, so, so much, so much things. silverware." Just I'm not, I'm not used to so much silverware. No, oh. I I normally eat with the plastic ones. Saves time. So, I'm washing up. So John Milton uh, is a rather uh, distinguished-looking man. He's not that old. Uh, how old is John? Uh, like 32. Um, you know that he's a billionaire. You don't know how much of a billionaire he is. Um, uh, he welcomes you all. He welcomes you all. Uh, you know, contest winners, you're all welcome. Uh, I even read some of your, your articles. They were actually 
chosen by a team of uh, writers uh, who, who will be the winners. Um, but I was very impressed uh, that you love the 1920s and the, as much as I do. Uh, and, and then he starts talking about Lux Vista and he goes through the whole spiel, you know. It's, it's very much obvious that, you know, he, he still thinks that he's on stage. But, uh, but after a few minutes, you know, he comes down and says, well, let's, let's enjoy the meal. And uh, I think I sent you a, a sort of a menu. So it's just, we don't have to go into that. We'll just, you know, it's a very elegant and delicious meal. Um, so you're all encouraged if you want to talk or ask questions of Mr. Milton. Mr. Milton, I was wondering, being an internet company, what was your motivation of selecting this, this year fine train to, to, to start your company? Oh, well, they're not really that related, if, if you want to know the truth. Uh, it, it has to do with two different loves that I've had in my life. Um, I, was, uh, I was born in uh, 1986. Uh, I, uh, I went to school actually here in, in England, not here in England, but in England. Uh, and, uh, I got kind of bored with it. And, uh, uh, when I was 20, I started my first internet company, uh, which, uh, maybe many of you have heard of it. It's called red, redhearts.com. It's a dating service. Some of you have probably heard of it. Um, uh, after four years or so doing that, I sold that company for uh, a couple of million dollars. And I've just been making more internet companies along the way. And my current one is, is Lux Vista. And uh, I've gotten lots of investors. That's basically going to be promoting. It's, it's kind of a, a vacation website. Um, this is probably the highest end of the vacations that we offer. Uh, but, uh, but it's what we do. Now, to answer your other question, somewhere around, maybe it was 2006, 2007, I was at an auction in Sotheby's, and they had two train cars from the 1920 uh, uh, Orient Express that they were actually auctioning off. Uh, it's, in fact, it's, uh, it's F and G. Uh, I'm staying in G. Uh, what does a rich person do? A rich person needs a hobby. So I, I kind of got intrigued. I thought of the, if I bought the cars and I started to restore them, how much, how, how much could I restore them to the way they originally were? So I bought them and I started, uh, I started researching and I started uh, looking at old photographs and uh, paintings and anything I could get my hands on about, about the train. And uh, I fell in love. I fell absolutely in love. These, these two cars were in my garage, if you will, for a couple of years. I was completely restoring them. I started searching. I found, ultimately, I found 30 train cars, all belonging at one time or another to the Orient Express. Some of them were in terrible, terrible shape. Uh, I had to use them for parts, and ultimately I built 14 cars, which this train, uh, out, of, uh, out of the 30 that I found. And that's what you're on here. I, I love this. This, this, is, this is my baby. 
Well, yes, it is. It is quite lovely. I thought it was appropriate for the opening of Lux Vista. Anything else you want to know? <laughs> I'm just enjoying the meal. Yeah, Karen is obviously now dressed for dinner. She's wearing a, a long, full-length dress, uh, quite tight on the bodice, quite flowing on the on the lower end. Uh, she's wearing some obviously genuine period jewellery from the 1920s. Uh, hair's uh, still uh, got the wave and the uh, on at the back. She's wearing a slightly different fascinator, which means the net won't get into the way of her meal. She did arrive at the, at the table with uh, long opera gloves, which she took off. Uh, her nails are natural and lightly painted. And she's laid them on her lap and she's been listening politely to John tell his tale. She's kind of just watching the people around about. And Mr. Um, this is an absolutely wonderful setting that you've placed us in. It's delightful. I've, I've tried very hard. Every, uh, every bit of wood, every, every little gilt uh, ornament, I've, I've done my best. Now, of course, there are a few changes. And we had to, you know, on the, on the superstructure of the, of the train, we had to make some changes simply because in order for it to function as an actual running train, it had to be up to code in certain areas. We, we did some changing to the plumbing and, and to the electricity, especially. Uh, uh, the original train would not have had electrical plugs uh, in your rooms, but they've all been fitted. So they're kind of hidden. Uh, Stuart should have showed you where those were. Um, the, uh, we still have no facility for bathing. Uh, hence, we're going to be staying at hotels along the way because I think in this modern age, we all want to bathe. Um, quite honestly, I can't imagine how they did this traveling for a week uh, without ever bathing, but uh, it was the 1920s. I, I, I was told they used sponge baths. Yeah, and uh, and you guys are free to do that if you wish. You do have wash basins in your rooms. And uh, and some of you, of course, have connected toilets, which, uh, which is a nice luxury. It was a big luxury back then. Uh, some of us with the with the single berths, uh, we use the the toilet at the end of the uh, the hall, which is basically the same thing as a connected toilet. It's just connected to four people instead of two people. When I'm uh, just sitting at the table, um, I sort of glance around at everyone else on the table. Can I see? Um, uh, well, two things. One, can I can I see the the couple, like the model girl there, and can I see anyone that potentially we didn't meet? in the saloon actually uh no the model's not there or her husband um the only people there are the ones on the bottom of that list that i gave you okay so the uh the artist and her girlfriend are not here uh the model and her husband are not here um and there's a couple people that you have uh, mr uh, dr wiss is not here he was not a vice. Keep calling him Weskin, W-Y-S-S. Cool. That's vice. V-Vice, sorry. Um, 
Well, I'm certainly going to engage in some conversation, uh, perhaps starting with the person next to me, John Walters. Mm. All right. Introduce myself. I'm sitting next to Waska, so I'm not saying shit. <laughs> uh, John Walters is a young fellow, 20 years old. Uh, he's a university student. Uh, he's, got, he's rather slender. Uh, his suit does not fit very well. Aww. He got something off the rack because uh, that's about all he could do. He's got glasses and he has, well, he's definitely got long hair for somebody in the 1920s, but not so long necessarily for, uh, for somebody in the modern day. He's not going to cut his hair for, for this. Uh, he comes across uh, maybe as kind of a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a hippie. Maybe not so much of a hippie, but just somebody who's unfocused. Mm. Um, uh, he says. So, so uh, tell me, John, what are you studying at university? <laughs> well, I, I suppose my my major is supposed to be chemistry. He says, but to. yeah, I don't know that I'm that interested in chemistry. You know, it. Uh, I was at one time, I was interested in, in, in chemistry. I was interested in a lot of different sciences, but then oh, there's a lot of math. And I'm not so interested in math, you know. I like to swim, I'm on the swim team, but you know, I don't want to devote my life to swimming. I mean, that's just ridiculous. He says, uh, I took, I, I've taken a number of like uh, humanities classes and I took English and I don't know. I just haven't really made up my mind as to what I want to do. So you clearly enjoyed making your essay to come on this trip. You got any plans that you think you might want to find out about as you go along this trip? Well, I don't know. Um, what, what do you do? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an actress. Oh, are you? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also something of a performing artist in dance as well. I've been in a, uh, a couple of shows in Las Vegas, uh, obviously quite a few in, in London in particular. Um, yeah, it's not been the major stuff, uh, but it's been on the, on the good uh, side shows and everything else. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. you're, you're certainly beautiful enough. You say you dance as well. Yes, I do. Oh, I uh, I've, done, I've, done, I've done a few gigs uh, with uh, clones of Cirque du Soleil. Oh, really? I, I, I would love to see you dance. I bet you're a beautiful dancer. Well, thank you. Well, it may not be possible on a train like this. <laughs> well, there'll be some places along the way where we won't be on, uh, on board the train. And... Um, I'm going to use a charm on you. <laughs> eh. oh, I don't have his stats. Um, I don't know. He's he's coming on to you. He's not an. Uh, he's not. He's a, he's a good-looking kid. He needs a haircut. You know, and he's young. <laughs> he be a boy toy. Oh, do a do a psychology role. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Oh, goody. Uh, let's see now. Uh, psychology, where are we? 
Oh, goody. That's actually a hard. And hopefully he's not. <laughs> Johnny's getting laid. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> it suddenly... Um, it suddenly begins to dawn on you. It suddenly begins to dawn on you. Maybe something your mama told you. That people who are unfocused, at least young men who are unfocused, if they're trying too hard, they're hoping that you will take them along with you wherever you're going so that they don't have to focus and they don't have to get a job they don't have to work for a living. They can be kept men. And he <laughs> suddenly comes across that he's being awfully charming to you because you said that you've traveled and you're in shows and you're in, in like this and you, it, red flags go up in your head <laughs> with this guy. Okay, give me a second here. And let me go with that. So I'm going to speak to him in a form of Dutch, and my apologies to all the Dutch viewers that may come across this. Als je met verheven kan, kan dit ook dit in mijn zitten en kussen mijn voeten. Oh, do you speak a foreign language? That's wonderful. Is that German? <laughs> no, it is Dutch. I am from oh, the Netherlands. It's a beautiful language, yes. Yes. Well, when you can figure out what I've told you, Oh, I don't, I don't speak that language at all. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure whatever you said was just the sweetest thing. If there's anybody at the table who has some German, they might be able to pick up what I said. I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely kind of <laughs> Well, first of all, myself. tell me what you said. Tell everybody what you said. Is he asking or are you asking? No, I'm, I'm, a GM is asking. What did you say? I said, if you want to have me, you're going to have to get down on your knees and kiss my feet. Um, where are you? He'd probably do that. He would, uh, but he's got to figure out what I said first. There might be somebody uh, at the table who speaks that language. Yeah. Uh, Lars Ferber, who's sitting directly across, well, not directly across from you, is German. He, he goes, ha! <laughs> and I raise a glass and toast to him. <laughs> and while, and John, while all this is going on, Oscar's just talking my ear off about uh, Casablanca. <laughs> is he fitting next to you? Mm. Oh, gee, yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, UC Lars is, uh, is, of course, John is completely oblivious. He's smiling and laughing along with uh, everyone else and not knowing that you've said that to him. Uh, so let's see, what else? Uh, where are you? Let's see. I'd like to introduce myself to Lars since he's sitting right next to me. Ah, Lars. Uh, he's, he's got a fairly, fairly thick German accent. He looks like he's about 47. 
Uh, he's slender. He's got short cropped hair. Uh, and he's got an odd sort of red colored skin mark on his face. Um, looks like a birthmark. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm very glad to meet you. Yeah. How do you do, sir? He says, uh, he says, this is a, a lovely train trip. Yes. Yes, I, I was. Uh, I'm actually going to turn to John at the. We have the gamers curse now. We've got three Johns now. Uh, uh, I'm going to turn to John at the head of the table, um, sort of joint, trying to talk to Lars and John at the same time, okay. and ask John if, by any chance, I've heard the. Um, I don't suppose you did it uh, accurately, but I'm curious if you kept any of the gaslighting. Um, well, it, it's funny that John's like, oh, well, I'm glad that you sort of asked that. But at the same time, Lars is, oh, no, 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 like this. They, so they, uh, and they sort of look at each other for a moment. And, and John says, well, I actually have acquired a couple of the uh, late 1800s trains. Uh, however, none of these are uh, from that era. Says these are all from uh, the 1920s. So they're all okay. fitted with electricity. Um, I, th I thought I had read stories where the even in the twenties they had the the gas lighting and it created this sort of weird bluish tinge of lighting. Well, the trains that they were using in eighteen eighty nine were definitely uh, they called it pinch light. Pinch light. And and immediately Lars starts in, and you suddenly get well more than the impression. Lars loves trains. Lars knows everything about trains. Okay. And he's just like, he's just like orgasmic with the fact that he's gotten to ride on this train. And uh, he wrote the longest essay and the most well-researched and the most intelligent essay of all your essays. And uh, his whole life's ambition was to ride on this train. And uh, it's a dream come true. And so he and John start going back and forth about trains <laughs> and uh, all of the interesting stuff about, as you say, pinch light, uh, which was how they, they lit the trains. They didn't use asbest, uh, not uh, acetylene, because they had originally used acetylene on a number of trains. When the trains crashed, they exploded. Um, so... They, uh, they, they figured, they, they, somebody invented pinch, well, I think his name was Pinch was his last name. He invented pinch light and it uh, was completely stable and it wouldn't explode if, it, if the train crashed. And on and on and on. So that, that, that takes the conversation almost immediately <laughs> away from you. Of course, Lars is trying to, you know, oh, and you know, uh, the, the, in, uh, in, uh, the, the period between 1923 and 1924, the wallpaper on these cars was <laughs> produced by, you know. Okay, well, the whole reason I asked was I was curious if there was, like, if you maybe substituted blue LED lights in or something, that's all. And, uh, yeah, he says, well, no, we, we have used incandescents, um, and they aren't... Uh, uh, actually, there's a moment when he looks completely delighted because he's like, if we had done this five or ten years ago, 
we would have just been using regular incandescent bulbs. But recently, as you all may know, there's been this trend in the old-fashioned looking light bulbs that, uh, that don't glow quite as brightly and you can see the filament inside. And he says, so uh, a few months ago, when we, were, when we were putting the final touches on, we switched all the light bulbs out to those so that they would at least look old-fashioned as opposed to the, the ones that are, would have been, that were the only ones that we had a choice. All right, so. Who wants, who wants to talk to the person next to him? Let's see, uh, who else? Mr. Tucker, he's next to you. Oh, uh, you've got, uh, where are you? Uh, uh, Enzo Banuelos is on one side and you hear uh, uh, Gary talking to him. On the other side of you is a man who introduces himself as uh, Giuseppe Rotti. Oh, it's not nice to meet you. Uh, he has thick, dark hair. He's got a very nicely tailored suit. His uh, shoes, you noticed, are high quality, very polished. Um, this man seems fastidious. Uh, even as he's eating, everything is, he keeps everything symmetrical. Um, uh, he says, uh, in my, in my uh, hometown in uh, Italy, I am a, uh, a banker. Sir. Oh, well, that, I'm sure you're very good at your job considering how organized you, you keep yourself. Yes, I, I'm a lawyer myself. Ah, and, uh, and uh, he, sa he, looks, he looks you very, very quickly and he says, and you're quite successful, aren't you? I would say so. I guess I can tell from your demeanor that you're, uh, you're very, uh, you're very well disciplined. Why, thank you. And he says, so uh, what do you think of this uh, opulence? Well, it's, a, it's a little extravagant for, for my personal tastes, but. Yes, one wouldn't want to live here, would one? No. This is as a as a short vacation perhaps, but uh, it's, uh, it's a bit too cluttered for my taste. I mean, I, uh, I enjoy the period, I enjoy the history, and I, I like reading about it, and uh, I'm glad that I'm here. Um, but um, it's difficult to look at for a long period of time, wouldn't you say? Too much information coming into the eye holes. Yes, it, it does have that, that busyness, that visual distraction. Although it is a nice excuse to get a week off of work, I would say, so. Well, when you're working, you're making money. That is true. Do they not have, have paid vacation days for, for well, you where you work? The most difficult thing, the most difficult thing, uh, about being an Italian banker is tardiness. The Italians have no sense of punctuality and it drives me absolutely crazy. He says, when I say that I need something at 10 o'clock, I need it at 10 o'clock. I don't need it at 10.05. I certainly don't need it at, at 9.30. I need it at 10 o'clock. 
And it drives me absolutely crazy that there's not a single person in all of Italy. And he looks over at Gonzago and uh, that, uh, that can ever be on time. I think I was born into the wrong country. I should have been Swiss. Well, that, that appears to be a, a problem for everybody. I know I have a handful of clients who could have easily have won their cases had they simply shown up on time. Oh. I would have thrown their stuff out the door and walked out if they didn't show up within, on time. I, I suppose you can't actually do that. You're very surprised and completely stunned by what I had to say, aren't you? You're, you're, you're completely without out voice. You, you, my God. <laughs> I bet you I have, I have gone back into a, a flashback there for a moment. <laughs> uh, Morgan, I said something and you went. Yeah, no, I just saw my, everything just went, for, <laughs> stopped and I'm just like, oh, crap. <laughs> See, Senor, bon, Senor Bonuelas, did, um, did that fella next to you just have a stroke? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I appear to have, have drifted off there for a moment. What, what was it that you were saying? I, I do sometimes have that effect on people. I was just saying that, uh, that if uh, somebody had uh, not shown up for a court case uh, that I was running, I would have thrown their stuff out the door. Yes, and that's about how they, how they treat it. Well, I hope people are more punctual where you're from. For the most part. It depends. Uh, do, a, do a psychology one on this guy. Mm -hmm. That would I pass with a 34 out of 50. There's, there's something about his personality that maybe because of your past experiences with some of your clients, uh, there's something about his personality that's very refreshing. He seems to be very direct. He doesn't beat around the bush. He, he immediately asks you, you know, a series of not, not impolite, but polite questions, but he doesn't beat around the bush. You know, are you married? Do you have children? Uh, you know, where do you come from? He's very direct. And he's not, he, he's not trying to get information out of you without just asking you. And you feel if, if other people were more efficient like that, that uh, well, there'd be a lot less clutter and, and mess ups in the world. You know, you're, you're my kind of person. He says, well, I've got to uh, ask you then, uh, do, you, do you find me uh, a word? See, now I, I can't do what he, this guy is doing because I'm trying to think of the words and he would just say them. Um, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps there is something that I could do for you in, in America. I would certainly be willing to move if... Uh, if you had a job that I could do for you. Oh, well, you said you have banking experience. 
Well, yes, I, I have worked uh, at uh, such and such a bank. You see, my, in my line of work, we, we, we come across situations where our clients are either trying to, to shuffle their money around so a divorcee can't obtain it from them or they, they try fancy tricks with their assets and, and whatnot. So having a banker on staff might help us investigate such matters because we, we are expertise at law, but not at, at banking. Well, why don't I take your information? And uh, after our short little vacation here, I will uh, give you a call and perhaps we can arrange something. Yes, of course. And I hand him a business card. All right. And he gives you his business card as well. All right. Um, uh, so the evening goes on like this. Uh, does anybody have any questions for anybody before you guys kind of retire for the evening? Well, I'm going to tell that. I, I should say that after dinner, after dinner is done, uh, John Melton invites you all to get up. You all go into the salon car. You have drinks. Uh, he seems like uh, he he tells you along the way that basically he he was born in he was not born into money. That uh, he had to struggle with making his first money, uh, but. His family was a good family, and uh, once he started going, they didn't like him dropping out of college, but he did to start his internet company, and he's now worth something in the neighborhood of $24 billion. So he's done pretty good, and he doesn't seem like a snob or a, a dick or a Trump. <laughs> yeah. So who was this again? John Milton? This is John Milton. He seems to like the fact that he built the train, not from the ground up, but, you know, he's got a love for beauty. And so during the course of the, the meal and the, and the evening and the, and the mingling and everything else, I'm going to suggest to John Walters, might want to take a page out of that other John's book. Get yourself focused. Put some, some time and effort into what really, really is your passion. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's just I haven't found what I really want to do. I mean, look at this guy. He, uh, at 20 years old, he started his way up. I mean, by 24, he, he had a couple of million dollars. And I, I don't know if he, he was really brilliant or if he just got lucky, you know. He certainly didn't make his money building trains. Well, That's perhaps a hobby. But he, but, he, but he obviously put his time and his effort into what he did like. That's the kind of man that I like. Ah. Uh, well, somehow you think that his impression is that you guys have really hit it off. <laughs> okay. Now, as we're mingling after the meal, will there be other people there? Oh, uh, yeah. A few other people drift in. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you, uh, see, you see these, the Dr. V's, he's there in the, in the bar. What about uh, Marissa and Wanda? Uh, yeah, they're sitting together over to one side. So I will actually go over at some point to talk to those ladies for a okay. little, introduce myself, uh, mention that I do, have, I do know of Marissa and it's very pleasant to see. How are they dressed this evening? 
Um, uh, Marissa is in a very elegant and sort of flowy thing, still with an Asian sort of style. It's it's kind of her thing, and uh, uh, Wanda is dressed in a suit, and they seem they seem like a married couple. I mean, the way they sort of act and react to one another. Um, uh, uh, when you approach, uh, Marissa stays seated and uh, Wanda stands up and you wonder for a moment if there's like, are you going to start flirting with somebody else now? You know, there's a little bit of tension there. Oh, uh, on, on whose part? Oh, because I was going to do a psychology role on the pair of them. On, uh, on Marissa's part. Uh, Marissa is obviously the more successful, famous person of the two. You don't know who Wanda is. You know her name is Wanda. That's about it. Uh, you also notice now quite clearly what Dr. Vies was seeing. Uh, Marissa has a scar on the side of her face about maybe three inches long, right on her cheek. Uh, it's kind of nasty looking. I mean, it's old, but it's definitely there. Maybe it gives her character, but um, she doesn't seem too worried about it. Uh, other than that, though, she is, uh, you know, if, if, the, if uh, well, they're in a lesbian relationship, she is definitely a lipstick lesbian. She's very feminine. Mm -hmm. And uh, and her partner is less so, but they both look very nice. Yep. Um, so you're a dancer. That's that's really interesting. Please, please sit down with us. I'll certainly sit down with them and so just you know just discuss a little sotto voice that I'm trying to find myself in my own life with what you appear to have as your lifestyle. Oh, well, uh, have you ever performed in New York? Do you ever perform in New York? I have not performed in New York. Ah, well, you should. We'll definitely be coming to see you uh, if, if you perform there. Mm -hmm. well, we live in New York. That's, that's what you get out of that. Well, um, I will actually ha I do have to go in my clutch bag and take out a card and hand it to Wanda. Do you have any performances coming up? No, I've I've taken a little bit of a three-month sabbatical. Uh, I've got some things I just want to try and find out about myself. And I'm, I'm really keen on this particular trip because my grandmother did travel on the Orient Express during the 1920s. Oh. And uh, I'm sort of following in her footsteps and getting a little bit of feel for some of the things that she's told me over my life. Oh. Well, this is certainly a wonderful, wonderful place. This is like living in art. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, it is. You know, <laughs> I, I look at the Edison lights and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's in, in a way, I enjoy the new modern technologies, but I think there's a, there's a little something about the earthiness of, shall we say, older things. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, I guess we'll just discuss jewelry and oh, certainly with Marissa and uh, things like that and just have a very, very pleasant conversation. Okay. Hopefully John will get the hint. 
Uh, Jeff, uh, do a spot hidden roll. That is exactly on the number for a hard success. Oh, cool. Um, you notice two things. Um, the man who was, when you first walked into the salon, he was uh, sitting over to the side, just sort of looking out the window and uh, drinking. You notice him on the other end of the room, once again, just sitting and drinking. Um, Sorry, this is, this is someone we haven't met yet? Yeah, you haven't talked talk to him yeah. yet. And he wasn't, uh, he wasn't one of the, uh, the winners, or was okay. he? Yes, he actually was one of the winners, but he was at the far end of the table. He wasn't really close enough to any of you to chit-chat with. Mm -hmm. um, and he seemed very quiet during the meal. Uh, this man is, uh, uh, looks probably Italian. He's got dark hair. Um, he seems maybe either preoccupied or disinterested in everything that's going on. Um, do a psychology role on him. Yeah, I don't have any psychology. Okay. He just sort of seems out of place sitting over there. Uh, not not so much out of place for being on the train. It's it's almost like he's trying not to be noticed. Like he just wants to be by himself. Mm -hmm. um, there is one other guy on the on the train who comes comes into the room. Uh, this man was not uh, at the dinner table. Uh, he comes in. He saunters over to the the bar. Uh, looks like he's maybe 28 years old. Uh, he looks a little different than everybody else. He's thin. Uh, he's blue-eyed. Uh, he's got uh, kind of blonde hair. And uh, his skin is very tan. He looks like a white guy, but real tan skin. Looks like he could be a model, maybe, at some point in his life. He's got that sort of hair to him. And... Uh, he just goes up to the bar and uh, and uh, orders himself a drink and then looks around the room and he sees you sitting over there and uh, he says, uh, uh, Mike, you mind if I join you? Sure, sure. Have a seat. He's like, uh, so what do you think of all this? Now, I can't do an Australian accent very well, but it's very obvious <laughs> he has an Australian accent. I picked it up from your first sentence. That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, quite impressive. Quite impressive. <laughs> He puts his hand out to shake yours. He says, my name is Mark, Mark Wilson. Oh, no, I'm going to do a Boston accent. I'm not going to do an accent for Mark. Uh, he's uh, he's Mark, Mark Wilson, he says. Mark, nice to meet you. John. He says, uh, this is going to be some trip, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. So, uh, I'm an, uh, what I do for a living is I'm an investment funds manager. What do you do? Uh, I, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm hesitating. Uh, and I just tell them, uh, best way to describe it is I'm a diver. A diver? You go diving, huh? Yep. 
You ever yeah. go to Australia? There's some great places out there. Great Barrier uh, Reef. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never been. Oh my God, dude, you got to go. You said it's really something. And you well, see, he's sort of looking around the room as he's talking to you. Okay. So he's not. I mean, he's, he's, he's friendly and he's talking to you, but at the same time, it's like he's looking for somebody. And then, so the uh, first two people I tried to strike up a conversation with, they ended up talking to each other. And then the third guy I'm talking with, <laughs> just his inches. So, all right. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, so uh, have you uh, explored the whole train yet? Or you just, you, you guys just arrived, didn't you? Yep. Yep. You're with the contest winners? Yes. Yes. Uh, I thought so. You guys are all kind of dressed in the old-fashioned clothing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, little silly, but you know, it's their their game. So, well, the whole thing's kind of silly, but uh, you know, people like things, and uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, teach his own. Yeah, and I mean, heck, they're they're footing the bill for this whole trip, so I'll do what they tell me to do. Okay. Um. Right about then, um, you, uh, well, you don't have a psychology. I'm doing psychology just in case you hit it. <laughs> I got 10, so maybe. Nope, 26. Well, he seems distracted by something. Mm-hmm. He, it's like he's... Uh, is he looking for somebody or is he uh, keeping his eye on somebody or is really it, sure. can I tell if it's a nervous distraction? Like, is he afraid or do I not know that? Well, I'd say since you didn't really get the role, you're not sure if he's just not that kind of a person that doesn't look at you when he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. there are those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, he seems like a fairly interesting person. He was born and raised in Australia. Uh, he has worked as a fashion model at one point. Um, uh, he never made the top grade. Uh, now nowadays, he's just he works in Sydney, and uh, he just uh, needed a vacation, so he he's taking this vacation. All right. Well, this is pretty much, unless you guys have some more questions, the evening sort of winds down. There's I want to go, I want to go find that, that Gary fella. I mean, he was talking about the sponge baths because we're in the connected room and I just want to make sure that would give me plenty well, of notice if he intends to. <laughs> well, one of the things that you oh, find... Oh, I'm not actually going to do it, buddy. <laughs> one of the things... hotels for that kind of thing is that the the bathroom situation on board the train, uh, they came up with a rather clever little mechanism. And it takes you a little bit to figure out how it works. But when you go into the restroom, since you've got two rooms, you've got a connected restroom. When you go into the restroom and close the door, the other door locks so that the person can't accidentally walk in on you. Okay. All right. It's only when one of the doors is open that the other door can also open. You can also lock them from the outside, which allows the other person. 
it's 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 weird, but there's no way for them to accidentally walk in on you while you're in. There. Oh, that's that seems pretty straightforward to me. I when I was a boy, I had one of those uh, Star Trek toys where you make the the action figures disappear in the transporter. It's the same thing. You just it's a it's a thing that swivels. It's a spindle, not a spider. A spindle. Um. Well, of course. Second, you say that. I knew you were going to say. <laughs> Oscar is like, oh my god! I had one of those. I actually have two vintage ones of those. I've never taken them out of their box, and oh my Once god! You, you, you never play. You see, that's what I don't understand about this collecting thing. Surely, like a toy that someone's loved and played with should be worth more than a mint one. Oh well, no, 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 no. I always, always buy three of them. Because one of them I play with and the other two I keep because, you know, it's kind of an investment for my future. Oh, well, I, I can understand that. Um, I mean, I, I, I collect books. So I guess, I guess everyone's got to have a hobby, eh? I collect books, too. I like sci-fi books, mostly. I've collected, you know, like as all, almost all the works of Asimov's except the boring stuff. And... Uh, and wouldn't all of Asimov's stuff be the boring stuff there? Oh, no, 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 no. The Foundation Trilogy is amazing. The Robots of Dawn. Oh, my God, those are fantastic stories. He says, but, you know, he wrote scientific papers as well. And those are, you know, who cares about those that much? I think scientists do. I'm sure that's I used, true. I used to like that, that Arthur C. Clarke. Oh my God, Arthur C. Clarke! I've read so many things that he, he used read. To, he used to have that TV program, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious Heck. I've got it on videotape, and it's—I know it's vintage because it's old videotape shit. But you know, uh, I actually have a video player because I've got a whole bunch of old sci-fi films that are on videotape. Yeah, I, I just watched it on YouTube. Oh yeah, well yeah, I did absolutely no idea where in in. in America, this accent is now is is is. <laughs> it's gone well, from I, Washington. It's gone gone from Spokane, Washington, to somewhere like quite near the East Coast. If if Oscar were a real person, he could talk about this stuff all night long. You can't, Tom. I can't. <laughs> I'm pulling stuff out of my butt by saying some of this stuff. Although I've read Asimov, if you haven't read Asimov, you should. No, Asimov is fantastic. Don't. Yeah. don't so so when Gandalf, so when Gandalf was was fighting um, Luke Skywalker in Star Trek. No 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 no. You've got your books all mixed up here. I'm trying to get away from all of this as much as I can. So I sort of I walk off towards um uh, towards the window, um where you said there was the gentleman sort of like looking out watching the window, and I sort of stand against the frame and, and watch kind of the, the scenery and stuff go by as well and um, sort of just nod to the man to kind of acknowledge him, him there and stuff. I'm sorry, who did you get my phone ring? Uh, uh, that you said there was a guy who was at, uh, by the window, just looking out the window? Oh, uh, yeah. No, um, so I just I head over to the window and just sort of start watching, you know, the scenery go by and stuff and sort of just nod to him to acknowledge... <laughs> He's there. He uh he sort of glances back at you and he he gives you a smile and then hopes that you'll go away. But um, do a psychology roll on him. 
That's a 31 pass. Um, it is a one second. Nah, it's just a normal pass. Um, you're not exactly sure how to interpret it, but but you notice, you know, as you approach and he turns and he looks at you, that he's sort of doing this with his hands. They're, okay. they're in his lap, but he keeps clenching and unclenching them. Like, well, you get the impression, maybe he wants you to not talk to him, but uh, it's coming across as a nervous sort of habit. Um, right. After, after a few moments, he kind of realizes he's doing it, and he, he clasps his hands in his, his lap to right. keep himself from doing it. Um, so obviously realize that he's he's uncomfortable and decide to just go, okay, this is a bit weird. And, and um, I uh, walk away. Um, and as I'm going, I, I kind of pass by um, Karen and Marissa and, and Wanda um, and, and sort of just glance over, over at them. Um, you know, don't say anything to them and stuff. I just sort of glance over. Okay. And pretty much I've been absorbed in a, in a charming discussion with Wanda and Marissa. Um, and let the evening course take it, take it as it will. At some point, of course, this is all going to wind down, at which point probably I'm going to be sitting on my own at one of the tables there. And I pull out a, a very old looking diary and a sheath of, of letters and I read one of the letters and muse upon it. And then I start making entries on a separate diary, which is obviously a more modern item. Okay. And it, uh, it starts to get late. And of course, there's nice music playing and, and everybody's drunk a little bit. And... Uh, it's, it's turned into a very elegant evening. You've met some very interesting personalities. And uh, eventually everybody's you know, tired. And uh, tomorrow morning, um, you will be arriving. Let's see. No, not tomorrow morning. Tomorrow afternoon uh, in, uh, it looks like 1542. What is that? Three three forty two in the afternoon. Uh, yeah. Three forty two in the afternoon. You will be arriving in Budapest, Hungary, and you will be transferring to the uh, Sofitel Hotel for an overnight stay. Uh, uh, Rene, Monsieur Rene Violette, he will uh, come by in the morning to take your lunch reservations uh, for which restaurants you want to eat in. Um, let's cover Mr. Violette for a moment again. Uh, Mr. Violette is in charge of the, uh, the two cars that you guys are sleeping in. Uh, he tells you, he says, it is my greatest wish, my, my fondest desire to serve you as best I can. Uh, if you need anything, any time of the day or night, uh, I will be, and he points to the little sort of cubby where he sleeps. You know, if you need anything, it's my job to immediately 
serve you whatever you might need. Uh, uh, and he, he talks just a little bit about the long tradition of service aboard the train and how much uh, he has wanted his whole life to be on the Orient Express. And uh, he is very happy uh, to serve you. Uh, if you need anything, call and uh, Rene will be there. Any questions? <laughs> no, Monsieur, thank you very much. So have a nice evening and uh, enjoy your sleep. I hope you all sleep very well. Before we retire, I'm going to uh, tug on Gary's coat sleeve and make sure that I'm out of earshot from Karen. And I'll kind of like nudge Gary and say, is she a stripper? Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't rightly know. Um, she, she looks like she's, she, she's got plenty of money by the looks of it. So um, I don't know. How much does a stripper earn? Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 the chicken ranch is about 200,000 bucks a year for about three years, and then they retire. <laughs> um, I overhear these guys kind of talking about it, and I sort of go, uh, I overheard her at, at dinner saying she uh, she got a start in Vegas, so chances are pretty high that, yeah, she she started as an exotic dancer, and then she's uh, continued on, on there. <laughs> so it's, it's a lucky bet, and they make a, quite a bit of money. That's what I, That's what I meant. I didn't mean... Stripper, stripper. I meant exotic dancer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So not in a strip club, but in a in a gentleman's club. Yes. yes. And I, I, I um, sort of glance over to Karen and and I say, I, I grew up in uh, in 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 Vegas, and uh, yeah, she definitely looks the type. If I'm if I'm honest, it's not a place I'd uh, I'd ever be seen, and I uh, I play for the other team. If you know what I mean. Mm. Mm. Baseball. Um. <laughs> <laughs> kinda yeah i mean you know there's there's he chokes up on the bat yeah. there are let there are leather gloves involved <laughs> you know what i mean okay good night i'm in sweet dreams <laughs> you're damn right i will <laughs> all right <laughs> At whatever time or another, you guys manage to go to your rooms, you uh, get ready for bed. I would like to know uh, how you all go to bed. What, uh, what do you wear when you go to sleep? Ross has got a boob tube. Oh, in the game, sorry. <laughs> in the game. Um, well, I, I would have thought pajamas. Um, Okay. So um, I wear a Chinese seller on eBay. Um, I wear um, kind of uh, short pajama pants, uh, but I wear a, a, a t-shirt that says Juilliard um, dance uh, acting drama um, from my alma mater. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll probably have my headphones in. I fall asleep with my, my headphones in with music. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, this is uh, Friday, uh, the 31st of August, so it's still very warm out. Yeah, Karen, uh, no, she, 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 she goes and finds a pole to wrap herself around and goes, <laughs> um, 
However, no. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she, she's... I'd say that she's sort of like so the sports bra and panties type of thing uh, because she's going to probably do some uh, yoga or something before going to sleep and then she'd probably do the same thing in the morning, maybe some Pilates something like that it's uh, she may be on vacation but she's got to do something about the extra calories she's consuming okay and uh morgan george and george just dresses like he's about to go for for a run he wears the the, the sweatpants and the and the t-shirt okay and chef what did you say yeah just uh boxers and a t-shirt Okay. I was going to make a joke about sleeping at an angle like a Mimbari, but that Oscar guy is going to go on about that. And oh, my boy. God, would he? <laughs> Billy Moomy was such a great person in that show. He would you know, on. he was in the Twilight Zone as well. He was. He was the little kid who could change the reality. And yep, that was I can imagine Oscar's wearing like a Star Trek jumpsuit <laughs> to bed. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and of course, probably he, is. he replaced the sheets on his bed with his Star Wars, with his Wookiee. Uh, yeah, yeah. And his Wookiee. Oh, just, the more we learn about him, the more, the more sad I feel for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't do it. <laughs> uh, it sounds like Johnny Mathis yawning. <laughs> you can hear him gargling before he goes to bed, and it sounds just like a wookie. All right, folks. So that night, you all you know curl up in your beds, and some of you open your windows, and some of you don't just because you want some fresh air. Uh, there's no air conditioning on board the, the train. I definitely open my window. I would like you all to do a power pull. I have passed. I have passed. Uh, actually, yep, good pass. I have failed. 94. Oh, so the two of you failed. All right. The night passes without incident. However, when morning comes, uh, George and John, uh, you wake up. And you feel really good. It's a comfortable bed. Surprising for a train bed. But you feel refreshed. You feel like uh, like it was really, really good sleep. Really a wonderful sleep. The, the air, the, the, the cool uh, morning air coming in and uh, everything. It's just like, this, this is, this is freaking perfect. And this is just, just really, really nice. For the rest of you, all of that's true. You wake up that way in the morning, but you vaguely recall having a really kind of a vivid dream. Now, it's probably because of, of everything that happened to you today, because there's definitely a lot of elements from today's event. You seem to recall being at a train station uh, and waiting for a train, although it seems it was a, a little more open air than where you were before. Um, 
you recall the train arriving and uh, uh, a very handsome steward coming down the ladder and uh, he was dressed in impeccable blue. Uh, very handsome man with uh, long brown hair done up behind his head in a, in a kind of fancy bow. Looked like it was way out of... Uh, way out of the modern day, maybe, you know, an old-fashioned sort of thing. And uh, he seemed charming, just, just really nice. He, uh, you remember climbing up the ladder. What was the thing with the ladder? You can't remember. But when you got on board the train, there was, it, was, it was fantastic. It was like a palace, not so much like a train, but like, like a grand palace of some sort. And you recall some sort of a speech that this guy gave to you. And uh, uh, his name, you'd, you'd think you'd heard it before, but you weren't quite sure. And you just, you woke up feeling so refreshed and happy and it was one of the best dreams that you've ever had but uh after a few minutes being awake it sort of fades away and you realize that you're in a very beautiful room and uh and you're you know going to get ready soon for for dinner or for breakfast which apparently is brought around to your rooms you don't actually go to the the dining rooms for breakfast and I think that's where we will leave it for tonight. Cool. That's a good breaking spot before we start the next day. Okay. Cue. Now, let's see if I really actually prepared this. And I didn't. Our players included Jeff Wilkins, Morgan Llewellyn, Zane Fleming, Raymond offered Mick Swan and I'm the keeper of these secrets. <laughs> I knew I forgot to prepare something today. We're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account just a dollar to a month. Helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Riley, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good game.